0: hebrews chapter 5 and beginning in verse 7 and please stand with me for the reading of god's word hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7. and ladies and gentlemen this is the word of god in the days of his flesh jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears Father, thank you for your holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible word. Breathe life into us, teach us, show us Christ. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The 20th century witnessed exponential change in the realm of technology. It's fair to say that human society has seen a total transformation in the sphere of communication I remember reading about the telegraph sure we were introduced to the telephone but in more recent times radio although that's many many decades that that was uh, becoming available to us radio then television and then the internet and the impact of each of these were nothing short of breathtaking it couldn't be overstated we don't normally think about it but radio waves actually fill our room right now this large sanctuary there are radio waves and yet none of them are observable to our human senses our five senses of the ability to see to hear to taste to smell and to feel but if we were to get a radio receiver tune it to the right frequency we could hear sounds We could hear voices we could hear music emanating from a radio station either nearby but certainly outside the building or many miles away or even thousands of miles away depending on the signal strength and we're used to that television the same there are television waves right here right now the internet it's happening all around us and we think nothing of it and there are various ways we can communicate with people locally but we can communicate with people instantly through the internet around the world see people hear people vast oceans are no issue the visible realm doesn't show us there that but we can see things and hear things if we have the right equipment and my point in saying this is very simple something can be real and yet not observable by the senses think about that there are realities beyond the realm of our senses we can access radio with a radio receiver same with television and these realities I'm talking about the writer of Hebrews is wanting us to know about and live in the good of and we access these realities by faith Hebrews is a book about faith an entire chapter is given over to that subject Hebrews chapter 11 as you remember scripture says in 2nd Corinthians 5 verse 7 for we walk by faith not by sight I think we could equally say for we walk by faith and not by what is perceived by the senses sight being one of the senses so much of the book of Hebrews is unveiling the realities of things beyond the realm of the senses Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 starts this way now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things finish it for me not seen unseen speaking of Moses we read this in verse 27 by faith he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king for he endured a seeing him who is invisible how do you do that I can't see it that's right but i can see it i see him who is invisible the only way you can do that is not by having a radio receiver or a television receiver or an internet connection but by faith faith lays hold of realities beyond the realm of the senses they are real just as real as that which we can see but they're unobservable to our senses And hebrews is written so that we would access these very precious realities last time we saw that God from verses 1 through 6 requires an authorized priest and an authorized sacrifice in order for us to approach him that's just the way it is as Americans we think I can do it my way I can do it my way I can do it my way those are the three points of our theology But God says, no, you'll do it my way. This is the way when God uh, accepted one sacrifice rather than the other in the life of Cain and Abel. He made it clear what was expected. And Hebrews tells us that the right offering was done by faith. And faith comes by the means of hearing God's word. So somewhere along the the line, Abel had heard from God and did according to the specifications given to him. Cain did not. It's always been this way. True religion and false religion. When God set up the tabernacle, He did not say, Now, what kind of service will you come to? What kind of meeting hall? What color would you like things to be? No, He declared the way it would be. And I would submit to you that in the New Testament this exact same thing that takes place God says this is what I want in my service you'll sing about me you'll delight in the gospel you'll have the public reading of scripture you'll do this you'll do that and that should regulate our service we actually have a name for it in theology the regulative principle of worship what we do should be outlined in God's Word so that's what we saw last time God has an authorized priest And an authorized sacrifice and the message is Jesus is that authorized priest and has presented the authorized sacrifice we also saw that illegitimate self-appointed priests are an abomination to God there's no other way to talk about it and uh, Hebrews 5 verse 5 tells us that Christ did not exalt himself he didn't apply for the position no priest should no man of God should simply say I want that job they should be God called simon kistemacher wrote this anyone inducted into sacred office must be called by god if this is not the case he is an affront to god and a provocation to his people many people go through religious rituals and think they're doing god a service and god wants to spew it out of his mouth and in fact does we saw last time too that god has an elect people and they are true believers and they are a royal priesthood. We saw that in 1 Peter chapter 2, you remember. You are a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And as priests, we offer no lambs or goats or bulls. We don't represent Christ in an offering on an altar. No, we offer sacrifices of praise. That's our offering as priests. We are called as priests to function in the office of believers priesthood and we offer sacrifice of praise to god this is what hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says later on in the book through him talking of jesus let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to god that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name so we don't bring a lamb to the service even though we've sinned We don't bring a bull we don't bring any old testament sacrifice nor do we represent christ on an altar no we celebrate the fact that god has already once for all accepted the offering of the body of jesus as the atonement for sin hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 will tell us that that's what we celebrate in hebrews chapter 5 1 through 10 the big picture here is that the writer is showing the similarities between Aaron's priesthood and Christ's later chapters will focus on the differences the superiority of Christ over every other scheme even if it was set up by God and so we read of the job description for the high priest the conditions for employment it shows us these verses the nature of the task at hand and the purpose of it and the big reason for it is human sin quite amazing many places in our world many churches don't want to talk about sin there are bible colleges and bible seminaries let's say look people don't want to hear about that talk about things that are relevant talk about how you can have happier pets how you can here's five ways to have a great vacation It's the summertime talk about things they can relate to you read hebrews and it doesn't mention vacations or pets it's kind of interesting it talks about sin and it talks about it because that's our greatest need there's a vast chasm between god and man there's an estrangement and you better know about it and find out the remedy there's a great chasm and reconciliation with God is our desperate need more than you need air more than you need water you need reconciliation with God it requires a God-appointed priest and a God-appointed sacrifice and that's where Hebrews is taking us one man said it this way if our greatest need had been information God would have sent an educator if our greatest need had been technology God would have sent us a scientist if our greatest need had been money God would have sent us an economist but since our greatest need was forgiveness God sent us a savior it's beautiful in our passage today verses 7 through 10 it's interesting it's one sentence in the original Greek we've got a few sentences in English but it's really the continuation of one thought in the original language and the theme is Jesus meets The qualifications of high priestly ministry Christ didn't exalt himself but was God appointed and he was appointed with an oath verse 5 so Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest but was appointed by him who said to him this is God the father you are my son today I have begotten you As he says also in another place both of these are quotations from the old testament you're a priest forever after the order of melchizedek the first quotation psalm 2 the second psalm 110 god swore by an oath we read as we read the old testament language in the book of psalms god swore by an oath you're a priest forever he only had to say it but to swear by himself to swear an oath uh, there ain't going to be anyone else he is forever the authorized high priest let's take a moment and think about the role of a mediator sometimes in the business world there might be a company and there's an estrangement between the employer and uh, or maybe there's a plurality of them employers and the employees and there's no coming together and so the company will often hire a mediator who'll come in to try and reconcile estranged parties get that kind of understanding in your system and you understand now what jesus does as the mediator the god-appointed mediator he's been appointed by god called by god to reconcile estranged parties and that starts out with the recognition that not all is well between God and man. Many people think, ah, oh, I've got a good relationship with God. And yet, God says, I'll be the judge of that. Well, I'm pretty good. God says, no, there's none that is good, no, not one. Well, no one's perfect. Yeah, and that's the problem. So, we have, and that's the message here, a perfect mediator hebrews chapter one has shown this christ to be god from all eternity your throne O god is forever and ever hebrews 2 reconciles the need by showing that he is man hebrews chapter 2 in fact hold your place in hebrews 5 go back to chapter 2 a key verse i'll mention many times i'm sure through this series is verse 16 and then into 17. For surely it's not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. That's the elect, God's people. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Every respect, like his brothers. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. To become this sacrifice that God says, that sacrifice averts my wrath because the wrath was meted out on the substitute in the place of sinners God can then declare peace to the sinners because wrath came upon the mediator and so being the qualified mediator get this he's truly God and truly man he's not half God and half man he's truly God truly man all that God is Jesus is all that man is Jesus is apart from sin and so on the cross think about it in terms of an illustration he's with one hand able to lay his hand on God and said with you I can identify because I am God and with his other hand lay hold of man and say I can identify with you as man for I am man and in the cross he brings us together what a beautiful picture That's what's being communicated here look at verse 7 Hebrews chapter 5 in the days of his flesh I can't help but think of John chapter 1 verse 14 the word became flesh it's a celebration of the incarnation Christianity is so sublime it's so unique we don't say very unique because you're either unique or you're not but unique because it's the message that God became a man it's stupendous have you ever thought about the Christian faith the message is God loved this world that was filled with treasonous rebels and became a man to save treasonous treasonable rebels he didn't become an angel to save angels he became a man to save the sons of men. Men and women, boys and girls. One man made the statement: the Son of God became the Son of Man, that the sons of men might become the sons of God. It's unfathomable. The Word was always God, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He created everything, and this God became flesh that you could touch. That you could hear that you could see he was really man when he walked on the beach ladies and gentlemen he left footprints he was not some ghost after his resurrection he was still man handle me you'll see flesh and blood you'll see you'll see you can touch Thomas come touch in the days of his flesh this refers to Jesus life on earth it emphasizes his humanity we've seen his deity we've seen his humanity and here we're seeing in the days of his flesh emphasizing the humanity of Christ in the days of his flesh it goes on Jesus offered up we're in a passage where in verse 1 it talks about the function of the priest And if we read verse 1 it says for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relationship to god in relation to god to offer notice that to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins and here we see in verse 7 jesus offered up what did he offer up prayers and supplications i think we understand that prayers is an address to god supplication is Uh, A request that is specific oftentimes on behalf of others look at this with loud cries and tears this was no casual prayer these prayers were not trivial in nature but affected him emotionally here the emphasis is on Christ offering prayers and supplication while in extreme anguish loud cries and tears and i believe that the context indicates that this is pointing pointing us to a specific time in the life of jesus in the days of his flesh there are numerous times in the gospels where we read of jesus departing and praying by himself he prayed many many times but i believe what's in view here is Uh, and are his prayers in the garden of gethsemane why the next phrase to him who was able to save him from death and in that place he uttered loud cries and tears this phrase is amazing to him who was able to save him from death think of that as a title for god if you think about your thinking about God leave room for this title of God the God who's able to save from death that's who God is Phillips Hughes writes this Christ's way from first to last was the way of the cross he was the Lamb of God appointed for slaughter he came to die this was the supreme purpose of the incarnation the cross therefore was the fulfillment of his mission and he moved onward to it with an inflexible determination the agony of Christ at Gethsemane was occasioned by something other and deeper than the fear of physical death for what he faced was not merely a painful death but also judgment the judgment of a holy God against sin our sin which is the experience of the second death the disintegrating experience of separation from God I believe that's what was foremost in Jesus mind although I'm sure the pain and agony awaiting him was known to him and as a man he would wince at the thought of it but greater than that would be the fact that from all eternity he had been reconciled with his father in fact that that would be a strange word to use because he was never estranged he was always in holy communion with the father always there was never a time when the son was not and there was never a time when he was not in full relationship with his father so jesus would often pray but in reading these words in hebrews our minds cannot fail to go to the occasion when jesus was in his greatest agony of soul let's go there in our bibles matthew chapter 26 hold your place in hebrews lord willing we will be back Matthew chapter 26 look with me at verse 36 then jesus went with them to a place called gethsemane by the way gethsemane means oil press or olive press and he said to his disciples sit here while i go over there and pray and talk, taking with him peter and his and the two sons of zebedee he began to be sorrowful and troubled Then he said to them my soul is very sorrowful even to death remain here and watch with me and going a little farther he fell on his face and prayed saying my father if it is possible if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as i will but as you will If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. This cup represented the full, the full orbed wrath of God being tasted to the dregs. Jesus was in great agony of soul. I've heard uh, some people say. Usually a Muslim might say, I can't believe in him as divine. When he went through all that, he knows he's going to triumph over the grave supposedly and he's going through all this. And my response is, this is not to show his deity at this point. This is to show his true humanity. And I would have a problem believing he was human if he didn't do this. If he didn't do this. This showed he was really a man. Jesus wept shortest verse in our Bible and Jesus made loud cries in agony showing forth his manhood his manhood was on full display if this is possible if there's a way of avoiding this cup the cup representing all that the cross would entail the physical sufferings for sure but also the spiritual I'd say this if Jesus just walked and skipped and waltzed to the cross, I'd actually doubt his humanity. But this is profound, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus was in great agony, and we need to see him as a man so that he fully represents us. It's news to some to realize that Jesus, after his resurrection, was still truly man. When he became man he's now man forever and in the order of melchizedek forever there is a man at the right hand of the father and he is someone we can go to who fully identifies with us and is our great sympathetic high priest we don't need another mediator there is only one first timothy chapter 2 verse 5 there is one god and one mediator between god and men the man christ jesus that's what your bible says we only need one and jesus is the mediator now this get this who always succeeds in his work of mediation there are ramifications for that when he died the death he died he reconciled people for god he ransomed a people for god revelation chapter 5 verse 9 says out of every tribe tongue people and nation it's talking of god's elect he stood in their place and guess what by the cross he mediated for them and not one that he mediated for will ever forever Be estranged from God. They're coming Him. They're coming home. They're coming to Him. They're coming to Him because all that the Father gives Him will come to Him. They will enjoy sweet fellowship with God forever. Jesus succeeded in His work of mediation. This was not a general atonement where He's trying really hard to reconcile everybody to Him. No, He stood in the place of his elect he prayed for them in John 17 I'm not praying for the world I'm praying for those you gave me and he's dying for them the very same day in the Hebrew calendar 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. it's an amazing amazing thing the high priest in Israel didn't go in representing the Amalekites the Jebusites or any other he represented the people of God with the names of the 12 tribes emblazoned on his tunic and Jesus went with the names of all god's elect into the holy place making sacrifice for them and mediating for them and was successful hallelujah Hallelujah. oh the god man he's forever a man yeah but he's god but he's a man look at this in our text to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard He was heard the idea here is not that the father simply heard the voice but it's speaking of the fact he was heard and his prayer was answered Luke 1 verse 13 is a reference I want to bring out at this point the angel said to Zechariah do not be afraid Zechariah for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John The prayers of jesus were heard in the way that the father heard and answered in the affirmative keep your place in hebrews again let's go to the book of psalms psalm 22 we read these words and recognize they were words uttered by jesus on the cross i've brought it out a number of times but it's worth repeating when You and I hear the phrase amazing grace how sweet the sound we know that a hymn is being quoted and some people here will probably be able to quote the entire hymn you've sung it that many times amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me you don't have to say the whole thing to know that's what's in view and Jesus on the cross his words being words that he could only speak sparingly because of the lack of the ability to Speak when you're in that kind of condition on the cross, every word you speak is an absolute effort. On the cross, he spoke out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Everybody knew he was talking about Psalm 22. The Romans may not have, but the Jews did. That was their hymn book. They only had 150 songs to learn. He quoted Psalm 22. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, and they knew he's fulfilling Psalm 22. The whole thing, the whole, the whole caboodle. He, he, he's doing it all. That's why we read words that never happened in the life of David, the human author, but did happen to the Messiah. Verse 14, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. Verse 16, for dogs encompass me, talking about the Romans. A company of doers encircle me. They've pierced my hands and feet. That never happened to David. Crucifixion wasn't even invented when these words were penned. This is 1000 BC. You check it out. But God, being the author of Scripture, was able to say, my Messiah... They pierced his hands and feet. I count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They de- divide my garments among them. Never happened to David. Did happen to Jesus. Where? In Galilee? No. At Golgotha, at the cross. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing they cast lots. Look at verse 24. For he has not. Despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted and he has not hidden his face from him. But look at this, but has heard when he cried to him. Think of Hebrews. By the way, the last verse in Psalm 22 says in English, he has done it. One reparable, um, respectable Hebrew scholar said there's a way of, Translation for that, a legitimate translation. I'm sure you can guess what it is. It is finished. He's done it. Wow. Sometimes you just have to say wow and then just say it backwards. Wow. verse 24 in the NASB when he cried to him he heard I think that's a better translation when he cried to him he heard let's go back to Hebrews let's ask this question how was his prayer heard how was his prayer answered was Jesus saved from death well not by Christ avoiding death but I believe that it refers to the resurrection in that though he would walk through death, though he would experience death, though he would die, he would be delivered three days later from death's clutches. His prayer was heard. J.I. Packer once said God answers the prayer we ought to have made rather than the prayer we did make. I like that. So Hebrews tells us he was heard because of his reverence. One version says piety. I don't think that's a very good use of the English language there. Reverence is a better word. It means reverent devotion and awe of God. It means full submission to God. And that is, in fact, what biblical piety is. Godly fear. Look at it in verse 7. He was heard because of his reverence. One translation says fear one says holy fear keep your place in Hebrews 5 go to Hebrews 11 where we see the same Greek word used by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear that's the same word constructed an ark for the saving of his household by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that, it, that comes by faith just a side note noah's in the kingdom noah's in heaven because of justification by faith alone based on a righteousness that was not his received through faith praise the lord how did you get in noah was it because you built an ark? no because i believed and god gave me righteousness through jesus christ that's why he'll be singing the same song you will worthy is the lamb not didn't I do great I built a boat so reverent fear reverent fear Jesus conducted himself in reverent fear keep your place in Hebrews 5 and go to Isaiah chapter 11 here we have an unveiling of Messiah 700 years approximately before the time of the Messiah my testimony as i've read the bible since about the age of 14 is there's one message apparent contradictions i've seen a few and then one tuesday morning reads something i think oh that answers that objection that i had in my mind just believe what god says give him the credit of the second look isaiah 11 there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Talking of Messiah, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Certain pairs are now outlined: wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel of might, counsel and might being two, pair, two being a pair. Look at this next one: the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear but with righteousness and so it goes on Jesus fulfilled this operating in the fear of God I think if there's a blight on the professing church in our day it's this lack of the fear of the Lord Jesus operated was moved by the fear of the Lord back to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8 although he was a son he learned obedience through what he suffered now as God he didn't need to learn anything he's never learned anything God has never learned anything God's never looked at the computer and said oh what's that he's infinite in his knowledge he knows all things exhaustively before a word is on our lips he knows it can forever he's known it forever he's known everything forever think about that he has known everything how long has he known it forever he's never learned anything but jesus learned something look at your bible hebrews chapter 5 i'm still somewhere else let me find where you are catch up with you although he was a son he learned obedience see Jesus' mission was to live a life fulfilling God's law. And he was learning, the scripture says in the book of Luke, that he grew in stature with, and, and knowledge with God and man. He had to learn his alphabet. He had to learn the equivalent in Hebrew of his ABCs. He had to learn how to count. But he's God. He wouldn't need to, but as a man he would need to. Sometimes our Christmas songs betray very poor theology you ever heard that little lord jesus no crying he makes look he was a baby i'm sure he cried his life mission was to fulfill the law of god do everything god said not only with his outward actions by what he did with his hands his feet with his whole body but by the use of his tongue and by even his thought life he was the only one on planet earth to ever live and be able to say I fulfilled the entire law I love God with my whole heart soul mind and strength none of us have done that but he did it for us and he learned obedience he learned obedience and became the source of eternal salvation that's where this text is taking us To those two things Jesus learned obedience and he's now The source of eternal salvation Jesus mission was not a conversation between the father and the son whereby the father said to the son hey son got a weekend of work for you you interested oh what's that father go to earth on a Friday it's gonna be a rough Friday a really bad Friday it's gonna be a bad day but that's not the end of the story you're gonna be buried after you die after crucifixion and three days later i'm I'm raising you from the dead it's a weekend of work are you interested you know that's not the gospel the gospel is that god from all eternity father son and holy spirit seeing mankind after he creates them falling into sin willfully so loves this world that he gave his one and only son into this world, born of a virgin, living a pure, sinless life, fulfilling the entire law of God completely. If there was a feast required, Jesus went to the feast. If there was an offering, he was there. He fulfilled the law. That's why he was baptized, to fulfill all righteousness, the Bible says. He lived this sinless life for 33 and a half years. Scholars tell us that's how long he lived never did he ever have to say sorry he can look his enemies in the face i can't even do that with my friends he looked his enemies in the face and says which of you convicts me of sin they didn't say well no they were silent even pilate said this is an innocent man they're on the cross in full obedience to his father he hung there and the father laid on him the iniquity of us all Isaiah 53 says instead of a lamb being sacrificed as in Old Testament times this was now the fulfillment of that the lamb of God takes away our sin our sins were laid on him and God meted out his wrath on the lamb in our place he died the death that I deserved, that you deserved. That's what we all deserve. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, verse 6. He was punished. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment that should have been ours was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That's center stage in the gospel. And then three days later, as after he had died and was buried, he rose again from the dead and is now at the place of all authority as the God-man. And we can call upon him and be saved. Simply repent and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news is not we can put you on a plan of salvation. Do this this week, this next week by march next year you should be able to do this you'll be on this journey no believe on the lord jesus christ and you shall be saved that's it that's good news why because someone else has taken our place someone else stood in our place and was meted out on him what we deserved and what we receive is unspeakable we get the benefits of the life of jesus his very righteousness credited to our account so god looks at the sinner who believes in jesus and notices their sin but then realizes they're clothed in a righteousness that is not their own the righteousness not of some angel but of jesus christ for he god made him jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him second corinthians 5 21 first corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 he's made unto us wisdom righteousness sanctification and redemption John why should I let you into my heaven I can think of no reason except someone stood in my place the lamb of God he took what I deserve and has given to me the righteous fulfillment of that law so that I can stand before you O God in a righteousness not my own the life of Jesus Christ check your accounts regarding me I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ he took my sin he bore my sins in his body on the cross first Peter 224 and if that's not true I've got no hope and the father says that's right come on in someone else that's why our boast is the cross not a piece of wood but what was done on that cross the Lord Jesus bore our sins and gives righteousness to all who believe in him so that I can stand before God even now and say I know I'm yours I don't have to see you to know I can have assurance of salvation now because Jesus has passed through the heavens and has gone through the heavenly tabernacle and has made the once-for-all sacrifice for sins and it was accepted and I believed in it that lambs offering was my offering he suffered in my place and I stand before you because of Jesus Christ alone plus nothing that ladies and gentlemen is the gospel Amen. Amen. he learned obedience his task was unique his level of obedience unique dear ones I'm a pastor I know some of your struggles I've eaten through some things myself but you or I have never had a Gethsemane. You or I never had to face what he faced. He had a unique assignment. It was the pinnacle of all tests. What's the application? Sometimes an application to a sermon is just a stand in awe of God, of what he's done. This gives us a right perspective in our trials. Why? Jesus had eternal, uninterrupted communion with his Father and yet drank the cup of God's wrath to the dregs. Stand in awe of him. Stand in awe of this God who would design such a plan. And he learned obedience as a man. found grace to endure and face his trial head on i don't know what you're going through but jesus does and this one has been through more than you or i will ever go through and found grace and that's where this passage has started look at verse 14 of the previous chapter hebrews 4 14 since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast our confession stay with it Ladies and gentlemen, keep confessing Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence, boldness of speech, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're covered, ladies and gentlemen. You've got a time of need, you've got a great high priest. And it's a throne of grace. He found grace to endure and face his trial head-on as you call upon him my confidence is this same God will work grace in your life he learned obedience he prayed and he obeyed application we can pray and we can obey many Christians go through something called the U of S university of suffering and we learn stuff sometimes i've gone through some things and i think well i wake up in the morning and still be a christian my mind was so raging with thoughts of all kinds what i found was the truths of scripture kept me not me trying to keep the truths of scripture it's the bedrock it's the it's the pillow you can rest your head on at night to know that god is suffering all things work together for good all things come on not this not that everything but this i didn't sign up for this god says uh my grace is sufficient for you thank you very much sufficient paul says can you get this off me whatever it is this thorn in the flesh my grace is sufficient well that's not an answer yes it is that's the answer god might deliver you or he'll take you through it but his grace will be there for you every step of the way as you call upon him the throne of grace is open yep it's open right now it's not like well it's open between the hours of four and six after that you get an answer machine the father is busy right now and he he'll get back to you no you call upon the name of the lord you'll be saved He's right there the name of the lord is a strong tower i'm so thankful it's not this 18 name thing you can simply say jesus and he's right there yes my son yes my daughter some of you go through stuff hear this philippians 129 for it's been granted to you that for christ's sake you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake two things in that verse god grants faith not something inherent in us, but he also grants suffering. Don't say that. People might not like it. The elect will. The sheep will. The goats say, what's in it for me? I want a life of prosperity and abundance, and I want to have life with a capital L. If you got that, I'm interested. Otherwise, suffering? Yeah. Take up your cross and follow him what yep here's the message of christianity take up not a guillotine or a a bomb take up an execution device and follow jesus try that on the world that's our message the only way someone will want that is god gives them a new heart that wants the god of the kingdom and will then come into the kingdom of god reason i know i'm right and scholars all over i've not seen anyone deviate from this when it's talking about this passage is it's a reference to gethsemane that's where philippians takes us let's close with that hebrews and then back to philippians chapter 2 knowing that there is need of humility in the church wouldn't it be great if all the church were just like you There'd be no pride, right? There'd be revival, right? Breaking out on every side. Verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now you think, Paul would then say, now, do you remember Deacon George there in Philippi? How humble he is. Be like him no he says you want to see humility have this mind among yourselves which is in christ jesus who though he was in the form of god he was god himself did not count equality with god a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant that's how he emptied himself by the taking of human flesh that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Obedient to the point of death. Verse 9 of Hebrews 5. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Quickly now, obey him how? Jesus was asked this in John 6. What must we do to work the works of God? Jesus said, answered this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent verse 10 being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek application what do you do when you stand at the Grand Canyon some people go there and they don't like it because you seem very small in comparison That's a good application. Heaven won't be a hallway of mirrors, one man said. It's not going to be all about you. But we'll get, now get this, let me close with this. We'll get what we've always longed for. God, as he really is. Theologians refer to it as the beatific vision. It's what we're aiming for, to see him. And your eyes as a believer will see him. You want nothing else. You want nothing else forever. There'll be things for us to do, but heaven is not just seeing Aunt Joan and knowing she's okay. It's about seeing him. Seeing him. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. The only way we qualify is because of the person and the work of Jesus. Have you come to him? Have you believed in him? You're on a journey to that place, a real place. We started by talking about realities that are beyond the realm of the senses. Will we know one another if we get to heaven? Well, first of all, when we get to heaven as believers. Yeah, it's like, will we know one another if we met at Dallas Airport? Dallas Airport is a real place and heaven is a real place and you are real people and there is a real Savior who made a real atonement, who really died in our place, who was buried and rose again from the dead and is really at the right hand of the Father. And if you simply repent and believe, you'll have real salvation. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask you to write the truth of it in our hearts now and forever, for we walk by faith. Not by what is revealed to the senses, not by sight. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.